everybody. I'm Jason Hillhouse. I produce the features on the DVD. I'm Anthony Michael Hall. I'm sitting with Mr. I'm Judd Nelson. And we're going to watch the film with those of you out there interested enough to watch the film with us. We're going to have a little walk down memory lane here. There we go. Now that Judd and I live in Boca. <laughs> well, I tell you, I like those loose waistband pants. <laughs> Who doesn't? As long as I can bring my little fold-out chair to the beach, I'm always happy. <laughs> I have a small lap dog now and a, and a large Cadillac. <laughs> I'm, I have a lot of gray now. Given me everything inside and out and love strange, soon we'll in the dark. Think of the tender things that we were working on. Slow change may pull us apart when the light gets in your Now there's a person. This is a woman I have to tip my hat to, Dee Dee Allen. Incredible. Before I knew what editing was about, this woman was really an interesting presence. And it was cool, too, how she would come to the set, remember? She would kind of really work closely with John, which was really cool to see that. And also, she... That's the first time that I'd ever been looping where she made me feel that the worst I could do would be the production track that it's possible in looping to improve a performance and right. I, I you know it's, so from that moment on it's like now i don't get all like ah that why didn't we get that on the set and also at the time i think the studio as well as john i mean i was too young to appreciate it but i mean i think that everybody was thrilled that you know this woman who would cut all these classic movies like reds and dog day afternoon and classic Bonnie films. And Clyde. yeah it was a great choice to uh, arm john with you know she was a real ally for him and also there were a lot of overlaps which they as a rule don't like which is when one character in a close-up is talking and then somebody talks camera, over like this and yeah then somebody talks over. sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> judd and i both need a shave and here we are. And a wax. Wanna, you want to explain for the for the people at home that don't know what looping is? Looping is kind of slang term for post sync dubbing, which is when on a movie set you've shot something, but a plane went overhead. Then you have to redo that in the studio, and you have to get the picture synced up with the sound. So the technical term is ADR, which stands for automated dialogue replacement, but in the industry we call it looping. As Jeb was telling that story before, it is it's a cool thing to learn. It's part of our craft that. You can often make a performance better, and you can come back in and, and add some element or dimension to it, which helps, if you can help. And it's hard to take stuff that's off-camera, that overlaps on-camera, and keep it in the movie. If you're not on-camera and you talk over the guy on-camera, they can't use either piece. I think she was able to save a lot of it, and that was very important to a lot of those high-octane scenes. Definitely. I'm not mistaken, I think this BMW belonged to Hughes. The guy with the red hair and the Burberry scarf, we have no explanation for. <laughs> I think he was arrested shortly after. <laughs> Molly was hot. She had kind of an old lady do there, but I like it. Honey, ditching class to go shopping doesn't make you a defective. Have a good day. Is this the first time of the last This is my mother, Mercedes Hall, my sister Mary. Not unlike how she would yell at me in high school, actually. <laughs> very similar. It's very, uh, my little sister, who is now yeah. 28 years old. <laughs> She's an amazing uh, performer in her own right. She's a singer. So it's cool. This is fun to look back and see us. See us e all equals there. MC squared. It's that license plate. Very good, very good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I screwed around. Guys screw around. There's nothing wrong with that. 
This guy, when I shot Batman last summer, was on Batman. Ron, remember this actor? Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. He's been in lots of stuff. I had some gray, and he had all white hair, and I went, wow, okay. We're both still doing this. Check out that patch on Emilio's shoulder. State champ, and it's got ballet, I think. He was state ballet champ. Uh, look at that hair. The hair is always working, though. Yeah. There's Judd. Right on. I told the story when we did the interview before with Jason that you came to the audition just so ready, man. You were just, like, there. You were already there. Came in with That's the a long time in high school. Yeah, yeah. All seven years of high school really paid off, and you got a great role. I can no, Judd, almost agree. I remember from the day you came into the audition, man, you just came in like, what movie? Can we start? Or what? <laughs> you were just like, <laughs> even in these rehearsals, because, John, if you remember, man, we, were, we did rehearsals in this space, because this art department had kind of constructed this, and it was inside a gymnasium. So we, all, we had the benefit of, like, working as if it were a stage, and it was already there, ready for us. Yeah. And it was cool, because the studio took over the school in a way so we could turn their gymnasium into this library. However, at the time, there was a USFL football team, the Chicago Blitz. They were practicing and using the school as their kind of like home base. So they practiced in the big gymnasium. Not anymore. It became the library, and they went to the old small gym or had to go outside, and it was Chicago, and yeah. it was really cold, and they hated us. These little <laughs> hulking These little dudes would be like, yeah, yeah, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I miss Paul, man. Paul was yeah. great. He was a cool guy, man. Well, well, here we are. <laughs> yeah, two favorite topics, Mickey Mantle and Bob Dylan. We would always talk about one or the other. And he knew a lot. Yeah, a lot. one guy. And he loved to mix it up. It's great to work with actors that, you know, try to promoter response you know he was really fun at and having fun with it as an actor he was really great to hate you know what i mean it's like it's and he came up with so much stuff weird yeah. stuff when he's alone in those hallways he's always doing something speaking of which you had that that was your improv i love that talking to louis then catching it that was awesome but yeah it, it, he, was, he said let's keep it and i said why because molly was really grossed out by it like, right just legitimately so it was like yeah but that was the point yeah <laughs> you really did it though yeah I, yeah. just, I just did it in a rehearsal, and he was like, can you do that again? And I go, all day long. Yeah, long before I knew what the method was, Judd was laying down, <laughs> putting down work, <laughs> pissing people off whenever possible in the character. Oh, it's great. Of no less than a thousand words describing to me who you think you are. Speaking of pissing people off with the football team, how did you wind up out there uh, catching punts and stuff like that? Well, we would have breaks. A lot of times there'd be certain scene changes and, uh, you know, some lighting stuff was very complex because the room, if they're showing the whole room, it's a very deep space, and so it might take a couple hours. So I'd wander around, and you'd hear, like, some activities somewhere in the big school, and I would go there, and there was the receivers in this line catching balls out of one of those football-throwing spiral machine things with the two wheels. So I just kind of joined their line when we catch passes, to get my fingers darts smacked. at 90 miles an hour. Oh, just like, <laughs> boom, bouncing it off my chest. And um, some guy was walking outside, and he goes, you want to shag some punts? And I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went out there. Oh, my God, if I was kicked like a mile in the air, I'm like, I'm really lucky I didn't get hit in the face and knocked unconscious or killed by one of those punts. But it's fun, yeah. Take take a bit of the edge off so I behave myself. You in costume out there catching punts with the with the guys in pads running at you? And... No, 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 no. Just me alone with the place with kicker. the no, okay. with the, okay. with the uh, punter. Yeah, no, no, there was no team. There. He was just kicking missiles that went 60 yards. <laughs> just unbelievable. <laughs> 
I was like, it was like BB. And then I go, where's he? <laughs> Allie's so good in this. She could hide behind her hair like no one. <laughs> See, this is where it was cool where we had John. He was definitely uh, a collaborative director and, and sought to get the best out of us all and was looking for behavior, you know? So I think the wisdom of he and Dee Dee Allen and their choices and and making this all work, because we had so much footage. It's great to see all these years later, we take it for granted what we see the final cut to be. But the truth is, is that, you know, like we were talking about, Dee Dee would come with the set and she would closely work with John. And, and, and also he gave us the freedom to kind of play and just have fun. And, and certain things like the stuff you're seeing with Judd spinning around, sticking a pen in my mouth, all the stupid stuff. You know, we had no idea it would ar arrive in the film or be a part of it. You know, I didn't. I, we were just kind of having fun. But once we knew what the space was, we had the parameters. It was kind of like, you know. Rehearsal was key. Yeah, it was like shooting a play. That's how I, I recollect and I look back at it. You know, we shot this play for 35 days and we were... Mostly in sequence. Yeah. Yeah, we were fortunate to be extracted from Hollywood and all of a sudden in this, you know, suburban gym of Illinois. Not far from where John had grown up. So it was a, it was a fortunate thing that we, had, we felt like we were shooting a play. Because we also had a week of rehearsal, which was... To this no, day, we had more than never, a week. Was it more? We yeah. had more than a week. In fact, we weren't done with our rehearsal time when Hughes went, we're ready, let's go. I mean, all the work we've done, you know, staying, you know, keeping our faces in the industry since and maintaining our careers, it's still, to this day, I don't think I've ever had that since. It's, it was a real... A real rehearsal. Yeah, it was a real luxury. It was also a lot of fun because it really bonded us. It gave us a chance to get a sense of where we were all at and also made the work better. Yeah. And we built real history as opposed to that you believe you've made up a history. We actually had real experiences, even if it's something as simple as dinner four nights in a row, you at least have some real past and things will uh, reveal themselves to you further along in the work. And he just really wanted it to sound authentic. So, so he never limited us. Yeah. He always, you know, if you came up with something, you never felt like, oh, wow, you know, we took it beyond the text, big deal. You know, he was always looking for it to kind of get to that point anyway. The freedom that he gave us Pretty sexy when you the idea that he would trust us like that, which is the point of the film, well, you know, to, just because they're 17 years old doesn't mean they're 17 years dumb. There's a weird thing, though, about, like, rehearsals and stuff like that where you think, you know, you've said, I've never done that before since. It always seems to work out when, when you know, actors and stuff get those chances. You hear those stories over and over, and, but for the most part, people, they just don't do it. Yeah, in terms of genre, too, this is something that kind of broke a mold in a way because it was... Uh what is the in the industry talk is like a talking heads film you know it's really about a bunch of people well, sitting around talking yeah so again I, the play analogy comes to play you know we really felt like we were i remember rehearsing and we were in these positions i remember walking into that space and john going okay you sit over here you know we would rehearse these scenes so uh, by the time we shot them we all had a good sense of each other we you know we were a solid group and we also knew where where we were going with it so it was a definite now it looks like a luxury but to this day i've often looked back and thought about that that there was great intelligence in just doing that putting us together we sat in a room i thought together. they were all going to be like that i really yeah, did yeah, i mean yeah. i look back on that and that is a a high water mark in terms of the importance of having everyone be on the same page right you know it's like if you get rehearsal time and if you shoot in sequence it's not like you're trusting the other actor to know that in the scene before this they actually threatened to kill me so it's right. a little bit heavier we don't have to do that because 
before we shot the scene, we shot the scene where he threatened to kill me. So I right. know that. So there's, and it's a great collaboration. You don't realize until you're blessed enough to work in the business when you're on the set. You see that there's, you know, sometimes your best idea will, will come from the script supervisor or sometimes it's the guy, you know, at craft service table. It's a great collaboration, even though it's a director's medium. You know, we, I think that sense of support was instilled in us in John because he gave us these roles and we all knew what we were doing, but he always was collaborative that way. And I think that was his intelligence too, that he allowed his scripts to transcend even the beauty that they had because he hired people that he believed in. But there's a great collaboration always. You know? You're talking about rehearsing, you're talking about the five of you guys. Were Paul and Kapalos, um kind of kept yeah. away a little bit, let you guys kind of have your thing, a little us versus them a little bit for that? Well, that was going to be, that was happening right away. For You know, it just, also because Paul wanted to hang with us, so that was perfect because we could give us the power to say no. <laughs> so we could... But you guys rehearse those scenes, right? With you yeah. and Paul? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, but there would be, he wouldn't necessarily be sitting there on a day when just it the was, five of us, yeah. was the five of us yeah. um, in that rehearsal, if we were going to get to that stuff, like we wouldn't do necessarily a whole read through of it. We would be, you know, taking it from the first scene and rehearsing it till it made some sense to us. And John knew basically how he wanted to see it and how he wanted to shoot it. It's a business at the end of the day, like anything else. So there's always such a sense of the clock and rushing. So. It was a great, as, as Judd say, a high watermark in our careers to start with this great project. And we had these great roles and a, a well-developed script, but he was smart enough to sit us all down and get our input and let us work through it. So once we sort of got on our feet with this and we were shooting the scenes, there was a familiar, you know, we had a closeness and a, and a, and a vibe already flowing, you know, between us. But it's funny you said that because I did, I thought the same too. You know, I kind of thought it would be like this after, you know. And usually the director's the most stressed out, doesn't know what the next shot is, you know. It's like... The world changed after this. But part of it was the f good fortune we had to kind of be in Chicago and do this. It was at the beginning of his career after 16 Candles, did pretty well, even though it was a small film. And so I think I remember him telling us that we were, his intent was to do this first. I think the studio was gonna make this film first and they flipped him. So we were fortunate to kind of be away from everything. and Flipped it in 16 Candles, you mean? Yeah, exactly, in terms of the making of the film. So then we did this, this project second and then we were, again, just in Chicago. And that sort of remote quality helps it too. It's a lot of the fun of it. Because then you came back here to do Weird Science, right? Yeah. yeah. That was fun. There is something about that, pulling it out of Hollywood. I mean, not to, that's kind of cliche. It's like, oh, Hollywood's bad and you can't get anything done. But there is, you know, there is something to be, well, to the be story said about that. Well, the story takes place there. And, you know, that's where he lives. Why not put it there? It's like, it, it's easier. It makes the most sense. And for the actors, it's yeah. one less thing you have to imagine and hope everyone else is imagining the same thing. In fact, it is the same room where we're gonna go every day. It's a yeah. school. Right. I remember we went to some, I went to some local schools too in that yeah. area too at the time. It was fun just to kind of get a sense of what it, because I hadn't had that kind of upbringing. I grew up in New York City at like a, a kind of liberal arts high school. It was a different experience, so. It, it was, was a, a boys reformatory, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was away a lot. <laughs> No, we, if they, that's part very of religious, it, think, wasn't it? Just to get out of the mix, you know, to, to be somewhere else. To, as an actor, the, the gift is getting the job, and then to, the sense of exploration is enhanced, I think, by, by being somewhere on location. It's fun, you know, it makes it part of joining the circus, I guess. So when you guys, like, went to an actual school, went in, kind of mixed with the kids, did, did that whole... Yeah, 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 we did some of that, yeah. Yeah, um, Hughes arranged it for us to go in. I know that um, Ali, Emilio, and I went to this high school and the principal knew but most of the teachers didn't and then we could and it worked out perfectly it was a school that had two halls one called jock hall and one <laughs> called freak hall and that was like are you kidding me that's perfect so yeah. i just waved to emilio see you at the end of the day 
And then uh, <laughs> went over to the other side, and it's great because I was, you know, over 18, so I, I met some guys, and I could, go, I could buy them beer. I was like, yeah, I got an idea to work. Come on, let's go get some beer. Just, <laughs> just, just treating it so poorly, it was perfect. You didn't get put in detention at that school, did you? Uh, no, uh, but I did get um, sent to the principal's office, the one guy who knew that it was okay for me to be there, so it was perfect. <laughs> I hadn't found my classroom yet out of, uh, you know, free call, and I didn't have a classroom, so I was always going to be found out there. Bender, that's, that's school property there. I mean, that's, you know, it doesn't belong to us, and it's something not to be toyed with. That's very funny. Come on, fix it. You should really fix that. Am I a genius? No, you're an asshole. What a funny guy. Fix the door, yes, Bender. Everyone just shh. Separate from each other, but when he's in the room, we are very much aligned. It's just that notion of the authority figure. <laughs> he's so, he's always trying so hard, Paul. It's great. That's why it's so good. It's, get out here, Andrew. This is the best. Watch yeah. him put his hands on his hips. This is the greatest. <laughs> he's waiting. Right and Emil's so upset that he gets called to do it. It's great. Andrew Clark, get up here. Come on, front and center. Let's go. <laughs> hey, how come Andrew it's gets... funny. The more I look at this, it, it, Gleason does almost embody this, like, 1950s dad to yeah. all of us, you know? You're right, Joe. It's like the separation yeah. of state here. We gotta, like... And he's like... <laughs> out of my hand. <laughs> and Emil wipes out over the thing. It's great. That's very clever, sir. He's so upset, Paul. It's great. I think violating fire codes and endangering the lives of children would be unwise at this juncture in your career, sir. All right, what are you doing with this? What are you doing with it? Get this out of here, for God's sake. All of a sudden, it's his fault. Yeah, yeah. he flips yeah. on him. Yeah. He comes equipped with fire exits at either end of the library. There I am, bobblehead in row one. <laughs> That's funny. It's so amazing that, you know, we're, like, trapped on film. At this, this is just like a snapshot of where we were. You're not fooling anybody, Bender. The next screw that falls See, out... See, him the finger. You. What was that? You know what's funny, I think, also, is that because of the rehearsal process, we get to know more about each other a little bit. So it's more fun. Even the getting angry with each other is more fun when you realize that you don't have to make sure that they know it's a scene. You're past that point. It's like, now we can not waste any of that time. It's like, let's just... Right. Yeah. Because we had a rapport with each other, true. You can start to talk to the actor, not the role. Yeah. It's cool. Are you through? No. I'm doing society a favor. So that's another one, right? <laughs> I love how you just regress here. Yeah. It's just not. It's not. I'm. I'm losing this argument. You want another one? Yes. You got it. You got another one right there. That's another one, pal. Cut it out. 
You through? Not even close, bud. Good. You got one more right there. You really think I give a shit? Another. You through? How many is that? That's seven, including the one when we first came in. You asked Mr. Vernon here whether Barry Mandelon knew that he raided his closet. Now it's eight. You stay out of it. Excuse me, sir. It's seven. Shut up, Pee Wee. <laughs> Pee Wee. I'm working with that hairdo. It's like a pompadour comb over. I don't know what the hell that is. I got you. Judd had some cool hair, though. Look at that. What can I say? I'm thrilled. Oh, I'm sure that's exactly what you want these people. It's great, Paul. You know it's just like Clarence Beeks. You want to spend a little more time trying to do something with yourself and a little less time trying to impress people. You might be better off. Right? That's it. I'm going to be right outside those doors. The next time I have to come in here, I'm cracking skulls. Great use of music and sound in this movie. Yeah. I love the door just slams yeah. hard. That right there, Judd, I told you this before, but that is, in my opinion, the greatest fuck you in cinema history. I mean, that's a great <laughs> fuck I like you. That. Yeah. It's a good. really good, I mean, I know they, they kind of went back and did a little audio stuff with it. That's a great fuck you. If I may say. Jared Thank was you. a master of Tourette's early. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You just feel it all though. You know, that yeah. whole that whole scene gets built up and it all comes out right there in that, you know, throws his head back and just roars. Yeah. Now how'd you wind up setting your shoe on fire? Was that your thing? Was that I you? I think so. There, yeah, it's like anything you could come up with, like it, I think was encouraged. This kind of stuff too, we had lived and then we'd shoot it. Yeah. The behavior yeah, any little behavioral stuff. Because if I remember what I thought John wanted at this point was just how would we all entertain ourselves, which is what it became, you know, like yeah. what would we be doing in that first hour where we're just driving ourselves nuts and yet not kind of uh, engaging each other. That's good editing stuff too, to pick yeah. the pieces that will work. This was great. This was actually written in the oh, thing. The I remember bit, reading yeah. it in the uh, in the in the script, saying that's like that was pretty cool. Again, speaking to the teamwork factor. Again, the the set is it's amazing. It was like you can't really fully appreciate it, but it really was like two levels, and it was 360 degrees. It was like a beautiful, you know. It was a real library. It was like that yeah. room that you see really existed. Yeah, it's incredible. And that was all like in the in this gymnasium of the school that we shot in, and it had been shut down, I guess, so. It's a character in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I cool. think, I really do. I think the library's a character in the movie, and that's something, you know, when I saw the movie in the theaters, it's like, holy cow, look at, that's the coolest library ever. Yeah. That little bit of blue is very cool in it. That's in the, the second walls. floor, yeah. yeah. It's like a little hint, yeah. little hint of it around the, around the way there. It had all those little rooms, so it was cool. Who has to go to the laboratory? Look at him, he's so angry at us. Even when he asks if we have to, like, go to the bathroom, he's angry, you know? Now, this was lucky. This piece of paper that falls on her desk was luck. Oh, yeah. Then when we got closer, then you have to match it and, you know, drop the paper in. But that was just, that it landed on her desk couldn't have been more perfect. Sets up the Bob Forrest story later. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, Judd, you do just to fuck with stuff throughout this whole thing. Like, you walk in, the first thing when you walk in, you, like, just steal something. You don't even know what it is. Those you just steal those, the yeah, cards. Sheets, yeah, you know, yeah. and, like, you're just tearing up the book. You're just fucking with the card catalog later. I mean, you're just, like, you know, it's a really funny character thing that you pick up that you just kind of 
when you're bored or whatever, you're just... There's lots of stuff in a real library like that. It's like, you know, it's, and I'm the one guy who is almost encouraged to break the rules. Also, I'm the one character that's been there before. So, you know, yeah. it gives my character a certain advantage to move more freely through the space. Yeah. Meaning it's going to be a while until the other ones can. But by the end of the day, clearly, and that's what's cool, is the growth of the other four characters in terms of that room now. It's got a special meaning for sure for them after. Definitely. No, it's true. Your character kind of like leads the rebel charge. He kind of pushes the parameters for everybody, but also forces the rest of us to look at, you know, to sort of analyze. I mean, you might actually ourselves. sit there and do your homework if I'm not there. Uh, that would be a rather frightening moment right there. No, but it's, it's, it's the way in which you antagonize her that kind of sets the stage for everybody testing each other. Yeah, it's cool. Emilio has an interesting thing where he kind of bounces between everybody, too, where he, like, you know, he talks to Molly. They're a little bit probably on the more social kind of whatever, but, you know, he, he confronts you, Judd, you know, here and there. He, he stands up for you, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of is a, is a weird little hub for the, you know, Judd, you may be driving the whole thing, but Emilio is kind of the almost a touchstone for everybody a little bit to have a relationship with early on anyway, uh -huh. which is an interesting, an interesting role for him in the dynamic, I think. Well, you also can't tell really, are they all telling the truth? Are none of them telling the truth? At what levels of the truth are they at any given point in the story? And it's all different for all five until certain points where it can all even up to the same. And that's really the growth of the idea of the movie. You're an idiot anyway. But if you say you get along with your parents, well, you're a liar too. You know something, man? If we weren't in school right now, I'd waste you. Can you hear this? You want me to turn it up? You feel us? I mean... Michael, meanwhile, is now... 25 inches taller than us. <laughs> Under no circumstances could Emilio and I together break him. <laughs> Without a taser. Would you say, Judge, you say, like, from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, he grew, like, seven feet or something from... Uh, what I'm saying uh, is that when I did the first audition, when the only other actor I met was Michael in New York, I was probably maybe two inches taller than him. When we started rehearsals, I was... Maybe a half an inch taller than him. By the end of the movie, when we finished the movie, Michael was taller than I was. And I'd already begun writing letters to geneticists. All over the no, it's true. You were getting bigger and bigger. Did your clothes fit at the end of the... Oh, yeah. I still weighed about 120 pounds. No, I know, but I mean, you just get yeah, taller and taller. You slid out the ham on some pants. It was just like... It was really <laughs> growing like a weed. It was like... I'm sitting here looking at this, and it reminds me... It's really interesting that he... What's yours? That the script works, that this movie matters. It's, you know, it's like five kids thrown in a room. You don't know where it's going to go. And then I guess ultimately all these themes are addressed. I'm kind of like trying to see it with fresh eyes. And it really is cool that it, it works somehow, you know? When was the last time you saw the movie? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? It goes from five people in a room to... But it doesn't seem like that long ago that we shot it. Yeah. It's very weird. It's a good experience. So when you look at them, you can sort of see that thin person inside. You see, you're going to get married, you're going to squeeze out a few puppies, and then... Uh... This is from an earlier draft. Yeah. This is not the shooting draft. <laughs> Emilio's taping the butt together was from an earlier draft as well. <laughs> it was cool that he was... Uh, she looks good. Well, let you pull that up. Yeah, he was open to it so much. Are you a virgin? 
I'll bet you a million dollars. What was it like, Mike? You and Molly were the only ones that had to go to school, right? <laughs> yeah. During the day. How was that? It was an annoyance. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, you know, you'd go in there in spurts, but it was funny. It was a strange distraction once we were having fun doing this. <laughs> I know. They, they would leave, and then I'm like, wait, wait who's, who's this? <laughs> this ain't Molly. Get this woman out of my eyeline. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all in the eyes. Oh, it's great. It's that blue, it's that blue, uh, that neon stuff is great. No bra. Well, some buttoned. Calvin's in a ball on the front seat past 11 on a school night. Leave her alone. She just takes that, too. Emilio breaks it, but she stares you right in the face while you, you know what I mean? Like this a lot of, so a lot of those Calvin's were hip. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, but you know that's great. Like you're you're really you know laying it. You do the thing with your eyes. You're kind of like really uncomfortable. A lot of girls. But she just sat there and just took that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, she sits in the front row. Oh, he just walked up on the table over there. You and how many are your friends? Ellie taking the blade is really cool. <laughs> just me. That's what I always liked about it. Just you and me. Two hits. Like my worried look in the middle there. Yeah. <laughs> You're confident Emilio's gonna handle this. You don't even put a hand up. He stayed right there. Why not? Because I'd kill you. <laughs> it's real simple. I'd kill you, and your fucking parents would sue me, and it'd be a big mess, and I don't care enough about you to bother. Chicken shit. I like the bandana on the boot there. Yeah, was that you? Yeah. Or was that Marilyn? That was you? Ted walked in ready to roll, man. On the audition, he was already dressed. Bandana on the boot? <clears throat> yep. <laughs> this is the best. Now, what's this? What's Allie. the knife? What's the knife? Talk to her. <laughs> yep, and that's about it. That's about it. That's about it. I just love that. I mean, it doesn't, like, the whole scene, whatever it's about. Well, she just shot me, Bad Boys with Sean, yeah. so she was, uh... So for me, it was... I don't, <laughs> yeah. Had she shot Bad Boys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's Captain. Ah. Oh. oh. This is where I was last. This is where we lost it. It's fine, man. He tells us the clock. At the end of the scene, he tells us the clock's fast. Yeah, it's a great scene. It's great because he embodies that, like, Chicago guy, you know, he, that he yeah. is. He's from there, you know, but he started out on improv comedy and just a funny actor. He goes, hey, Bray, how you doing, Bray? Your dad work here? <laughs> <laughs> and it was important, John, too, this character, because that... Yeah, he was a connective tissue to the school that he knew all of us in ways that we didn't realize, you know, so that was a cool thing. So the scene kind of sets the stage there where we sort of take him for granted and he's he's really got the wink up, you know, the one up on us, really. He might have, he might have been you guys. I mean, he went to the school, right? He might have been yeah, you guys. Yeah. Well, he says he has that ago, speech. He's right, the exactly. man of the year. Yeah, he has that speech where I see you guys at your best and your worst or whatever, you know. This bit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so. Some of the thing about John, Paul and, and Capolos here, they're well-rounded characters just like you guys. I mean, the movie's about you guys, but the adults could have just been like the, oh, bad adult. Uh, and these guys, he really does give them another side. Yeah. And he says great stuff to Paul, to, this the, line, to yeah. the teacher later on. Yeah. yeah, they have their own scenes together, too, which are really good. He goes, I'm the eyes and ears of this institution. 
And then he tells us the clock's fast. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's interesting, too. That scene that they have together is really interesting later on. Uh, downstairs. Because, yeah, John, I think there's a lot of John in that speech of, of Gleason's when he's talking to Kapalos. Mm-hmm. They represent something interesting, like, this is what you can be if you don't leave this town, maybe. You know? Yeah. That tune cool. was like, I don't know why that tune goes in my head. Yeah, he had the Bridger River Choir thing. I think because yeah. he remembered in the original film there was that whole whistling sequence that right. was part of this old movie. But so. I, was, I, I thought it was cool that Hughes has that character whistle that song. It's like, again, it shows a bit more interesting a history than what you would expect. Yeah, you might not think he's seen a whole lot of movies or something like right. that. He's certainly but that's seen that one. Yeah. On that this track. one was definitely one of John's jokes. It was in the script that we would start whistling this and then. Yeah. It becomes a little symphony before he breaks it up here. Here. Well, I think the cafeteria would be a more suitable place for us to eat lunch in, sir. Well, I don't care what you think. He's so angry with us all the time. It's great. Uh, Dick. Excuse me. Rich. <laughs> Will milk be made available to us? We're extremely thirsty, sir. So disrespectful. I have low for dehydration. I've seen her dehydrate, sir. It's pretty gross. Relax. I'll get it. Yeah, it's definitely a shift now. Now we're all playing <laughs> yeah, him. He's like, yeah. he's like grab some wood there, bub. <laughs> what do you think? I was born yesterday. You think I'm going to have you roaming these halls? He's just dropping every cliche. <laughs> and he's chosen again. And you. Hey. What's her name? Wake her. Wake her up. Hey, come on, on your feet, Missy. Let's go. <laughs> There's no rest home. Has she spoken yet? No. Yeah. How great is that, right? Let's go. She's staring at him. She's so good. No. What's your poison? What do you drink? The sign is pumping irony, too, back there. Freedom for all. Yep. We're, we're all stuck in school. That's it. <laughs> Locked in the library. Vodka. <laughs> She's so good. Vodka. When do you drink vodka? Whenever. <laughs> A lot. First time she looks up. She's so pretty, too. Why are you here? Why are you here? Um, I'm here today because, uh, because my coach and my father don't want me to blow my ride. So I get treated differently because... Uh, this is to your point, Judd, earlier, where you're talking about, are they telling the truth or are they not? He says this this little spiel here to her because he's still a little guarded, and later he talks about, you know, the real reason why he's, uh, why he's there, which is which is cool. And it's a good scene. I think it's shot very coolly. It's a, not an extreme close-up. It's like a medium close-up, and they're in the sides of the frame mm-hmm. facing each other like that. It's really it's very nice. Now, why don't you tell me why you're... And, no, and you're not hearing anything in the background. It's just like... Yeah. They're against white walls, and it's very cool. The themes are cool there, too, because really what they're talking about, they're testing the projection of each other's parents, you know? my, par- my I'm doing this because my dad wants me to do this, basically. Look how you're sitting there. It's so cool. I oh, yeah. love that. You could not be more wrapped up. <laughs> Dr. Keep... Gangly. How did you hold that position for so long? I don't know, man. This is so funny. This elephantitis oh, of the nuts stuff. Would you ever consider dating a guy like this? <laughs> Can't you just leave me alone? I mean, if you have this line. Was a good dancer. Right, we actually had a photo a reference in one of those books. Yeah. That we yeah. actually, and the guy's balls look like a huge medicine ball. I don't think you can... The man was never... Was that like a real picture in the yes. book? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But the guy never... Real. I don't think he ever owned a pair of pants. I think he, had to wear, I think he was destined for skirts all his life because he had... 
<laughs> no, it was just like it was just like. I'm serious. It, it, it was a photo. It was a we had a picture of it. Remember? Yeah, it was great. Did you find I mean, it? Was, did you find oh, it there? It they like brought this. it in. Remember those things? You know those yeah. things you do abs it's on? Like an, it's yeah. like it was like bigger. Yeah, it was his... like like a kangaroo <laughs> ball, like one of those kangaroo <laughs> balls as a kid. I kid you not. A wrecking ball. And that, oh my god! And that's for why a set made of balls. It, and that's why made it even funnier to us. The whole notion. I go. Have you ever considered dating a guy like this? It's like I go. You know what? If you had a, you know, he was a good dresser, a good dancer, you know. He had a nice car, and then what do I say? Although you probably have to ride in the back because it's, it's a nuts and tra- ride shotgun. <laughs> right. Those balls like, would always get in the way. That presently you and he are riding the hobby horse. Oh, pig. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. John said I was a cheer, and I said I wasn't. That's it. That's all. He, that's all was said. Well, then what were you motioning to clarify? The film paid for those braces. <laughs> they did a magnificent job. Oy. Motioning to Claire? You know he's lying, right? Were you or were you not motioning to Claire? Yeah, but it was only—it was only because I didn't want to know I was a virgin, okay? So innocent, you know. It's so. What nice. happened to me? A virgin. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why didn't you let me know you were a virgin? Because it's personal business. It's my personal, private business. Well, Brian, it doesn't sound like you're doing any business. <laughs> I think it's okay for a guy to be a virgin. You do. She comes to your aid. It's very nice. Uh-uh. What's in there? This is genius, too. Emilio's lunch. You're wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so line. silly, just like so overt, you know? Like, By the way, this is when sushi was kind of new as a national thing. So it was kind of, I remember I was thinking that that was a pretty cool joke. Like, she brings like sushi to work right yeah. now. Everyone's like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You get sushi at, you know, Whole Foods, but... And you let it sit all day. <laughs> if I remember that was something funny to John, that she'd bring her own sushi. <laughs> Rice, uh, raw fish, and seaweed. You won't accept a guy's tongue in your mouth, and you're going to eat Where that? he came from, this part of the world in, in suburban Illinois was somewhat affluent, you know, and it definitely was, and so... You know, it, it wasn't uncommon. Like you'd see, you know, I guess kids in certain places. It'd be in so Texas. pretentious to bring yeah. that to a detention, right? Or they'd great. be driven to school, or they'd have their own BMW if not driven to school. And it, you know, no, it was it was so effective. It was such a, a subtle little thing, but it really did, you know. I love it. He comes from more of a blue collar setting, so he just gets the whatever whatever the groceries were in the fridge. That day. <laughs> just unloaded the pantry. Oh, but the that athlete, <laughs> like all the, you know, you know what's so cool is this: what these five people have for lunch or don't have is so consistent from beginning to end in this film, you know, it's, Hughes wrote a great script. Now, was this, let, let's talk about that, the lunch stuff, Allie doing the pixie sticks and the whole thing, that rules. And, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, this whole thing, was this in the script or was this stuff you guys in brought the, that to That was it? in the script. This bit was, right? With her in the yeah, Her, her sushi, the her putting the sugar on the, and, and the Captain Crunch, right. was, uh, that's in the script. The swizzle sticks, yeah. This is just like, because I remember we were getting ready to do it because Ali, you know, is a reasonably healthy person and that uh, was like, that uh, was quite a lunch for yeah, her that day. Yeah, I kind of grossed her out to do that, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, yeah. she was like buzzing for like seven days. She was a, f- <laughs> a health food fan early on. Yeah, and yeah. that's eating like sugar and Cap'n Crunch yeah. and Coca-Cola. It's so great how into it she is making it too. Actually, it looks good.
it's so great because it's such a it's this whole thing is like such little character things, but it also winds up being this bonding thing for you guys as well. I gave him a good slap here though. <laughs> Milk, soup. <laughs> right there. I remember I was like, sorry, man. See, you look at your hand and you're... <laughs> Emilio's sandwiches kept falling apart, didn't they? <laughs> well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. All the food groups... And it's cool. I, I like the shot with the presence of Ali in the background. It's all being pulled closer and closer together as a unit. There's a lot of that. The rest of the, the, the whole movie, you look, you know, the shooting you guys in the front, you're talking to Molly and stuff, and you see Mike, you see Ali. It's a really cool, like you said, it's a really cool thing pulling it all together. That's one of the great advantages to film as opposed to, like, live theater is that you can choose what the audience can look at. We want you just to look at this individual image. We want you to see these, you know, separate from each other, moving together, together. And it becomes a task for, for John and our DP at the time, was a guy named Thomas Del Ruth who shot this, that when you have a, a movie with five people in a room, yeah, you want to use wide-angle lenses or things to incorporate, keep other, you know, the He shot The alive. West Wing, too. He shot the show The West yeah. Wing, which is a very kind of classy-looking show. Yeah, he and his brother, they went on to have a very successful rental company, and they're also cinematographers now, both of them. Tom, Matthew as well. Remember Matthew, his brother, yeah. Leonetti? Yeah. Thomas was our DP, but then his brother was an AC, but he became a DP, and they have a big rental house now. Really? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> All right. What about your family? Oh, mine? It's real interesting to see, you know, like you said, how many, how many different ways can you shoot five people in a room? This whole thing where he was doing this thing, he's shooting Judd's at a low angle, so it's almost from the point of view of you guys that are still sitting down, right? Yeah. And then he shoots when he shoots you guys, you're still at that that level, right? Right. It's like Judd was saying, when we had to do a scene like this where there's, you see that much depth, you had to light the whole room. Especially when you realize that I'm going to climb up to that platform on the staircase. So it can't be... That depth of lighting means that yeah. what you don't see, what's outside of frame, are flags and uh, lights and bounce boards. Yeah. It was like a flag forest. You couldn't really run. Mm -hmm. If you ran out of frame, you hit something. <laughs> Joe, you're great in this scene. This is a powerful scene. And this is something I think all these years later, when I, f I think about why this movie matters to people, because I think it breaks down the stereotypes. And I think that's something that people really related to. I don't know if you did that in your audition, but I think you did. Did you or that scene or no? I don't, I anyway, don't know. Anyway, you're just awesome no. in that scene. Thanks, It's great, man. yeah. But it's like, I think also what, is that each character has legitimate, authentic, painful things that happen to them that they know they have to suffer with, but they're not happy about. And, mm -hmm. you know, you have to make do. Everyone has to make do. Everyone's got, you have to deal yeah. with a lot of stuff. Do I and uh, to pretend that everything's perfect is, no one buys it anymore. I think this was the first kind of, so again, your character takes the lead here by exposing Nash, saying, look, this is where I'm from. You know, even though the, the mask is your anger, the reality is you're saying, this is where I come from, you know? And that's why people love this film, because I think they can stay identify with, you know, any combination of the characters or one character more than the other. Yeah. And then it breaks the walls. In a movie where it's about just four walls, suddenly all these walls are coming down. I think it's kind of cool. And also... It's a great scene. Though. And also, again, it, it relates to the, the walls of the library. The library is a very open space. It's like showing that the... You can all be kind of together. Yeah. I remember when we rehearsed this, too, you, you naturally just wanted to run up the stairs, right? And so then we, John built the blocking around that so Judd could separate himself, and then he feels like literally hanging himself in a corner of the room, which is what he does here. He kind of runs up the steps to have a moment here. Well, it's really great, too, that you, you tell the story, you really open up, and then they don't believe you, and that actually hurts Bender. Um, 
you see that? It, what, what do you mean you don't believe me? I mean, he's been bullshitting the whole the whole morning, but he really opens up there, and it genuinely really gets to him that they didn't believe him. Yeah. That's why it's interesting watching this because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the script even more than ever. You start to address the themes, you know, mm-hmm. like parenting, your own image of yourself, where you come from. Everyone's bringing it to the table here. Everything's polluted. Everything's polluted. The coffee, the food, the kids are polluted. I don't even remember thinking that I understood that concept then when we were making the film. That the, uh, the simplicity of one room unlocking all that potential was really, he really had something in mind here. And you're right, like you said, Jason, before, the, the school is definitely a character. This is, these are the actual hallways of the school. So then we, you know, and it was empty, so it was kind of. And you get that feeling. I mean, you know, they don't shoot that much outside the library, but you get the feeling it's this big, empty building. You yeah. really do. These hallways and the way that, you know, the ADR with your footsteps and the whole bit. School on yeah. Saturday, who's who's going to be there? Yeah. Kids yeah. are getting in trouble, the teacher unlucky to have the job, and the janitor. And then you set us out on this journey, which also kind of represents risk here. Like, we're risking together to yeah, get back yeah, safely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for all of you to agree to do it, yeah. it's like... Because basically I'm going to get my dope. Right. My maids on my All these themes. <laughs> Look at that locker. It's very funny. The doors. Got the doors going on in there? Yeah. <laughs> all sorts of shit. Did you get to decorate the locker? I got to remove things that were incredibly bad that I was like, I ain't putting that in there. <laughs> Meaning, you know, for that particular character, I don't think we got, you know... <laughs> that we wouldn't have any soft... Yeah. Like... It's a little bit soft rock vibe for me. <laughs> so let's take Hall & Oates out. Shut up, Dink. Do you approve of this? She's already taken my knife. Now she's going to take my luck. There you go. <laughs> Those great eyes, Ellie. And then we'll double back. You better be right. If Vernon cuts us off, it's your fault, asshole. What do you say? Where are we going? Those cool Nikes you had, man. They were nice. You know they were comfortable. Chuck Taylor. Look at Montage music. Here we go. Look at Allie. <laughs> so great. thing is how can he be in these spots that where it's kind of like mc escher weird it's like well it's not what how do we, we we're them. running and like how does he get so weird scooby-doo ghost chase montages yeah, that's it? Exactly. yeah. it's basically <laughs> we, we have to go through the cafeteria no the activities hall hey man you don't know what you're talking about no, you don't know what you're talking about no we're through listening to you <laughs> How many different halls and, and areas did you actually shoot this? And you just shoot different angles yeah, down the other way? Yeah, it was like way? three, but we just shot them 85 well, how many? Uh, there were only two or three stories in the school. Oh, I don't remember. Huh? Yeah, and but it was cool because we had yellow lockers and red lockers in terms of big halls. Today we shoot with a lot of Steadicam in the industry, which is a, a system where the camera's rigged on a harness mm-hmm. to the operator and then kind of floats on, a, on an arm freely. But I remember we were shooting those scenes. It was like... I think that was like my first experience shooting with Steadicam. I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> We're running down those hallways. No. Just me. What do you mean? Get back to the library. Keep your unit on. That uh, little gate that we run into was really there because there was a special corner of the school that was really used for problem kids. 
on the weekends they would have to go there. So I would just go there and torture them at the gate. <laughs> every Saturday, because we shot six days a week, so we were shooting there on Saturday, and every Saturday there'd be that, that little gate would be up, and I'd go down there, and there'd be one or two kids, and I'd be like, how you doing, you losers? Go, what are you talking about? I go, what do you got to do about it? It just, it just kept me so psyched up, and then I could go back and do the scenes. It was just incredibly cruel of them. <laughs> just yelling at them through the gate? Yeah, just go, hey, hey, anybody there? I go, hey, uh, I'm going to go smoke. You want? Oh, you can't. That's right. <laughs> this is like a separate gym. This was the, this is where yeah. we'd run into the Blitz. The Blitz would be like doing drills in here. Not liking it because it's that linoleum floor. Yeah. And he, let, and he let me put on that one sneaker because I said, you know, in the gym, there's always like a random lost shoe in the gym. I go, let's have one. I'll put that one on. He's just like, okay. <laughs> Trying out for a scholarship. Give me the ball, man. Give me that ball. And I did it different every time. And I, I knew he was going to try and kill me at this point. I, I knew. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Oh, so that was the end of one of the many takes? <laughs> yeah. Jump out of the shoe. Work well together. And he just left the shoe. He was great. Yeah, I really like to work with him because it's like (laughs) just shoving me. It's like it's like he's not gonna fake you, and I like that. Go to the gymnasium. I'm sorry to inform you, you're going to be without his services. (laughs) Without his. He had this great way of feeling like a coach. Like Paul played baseball growing up, and I think at at a point in his life, I remember he telling me that he had hopes of becoming a professional baseball player. But he has that feeling. There's some scenes where he feels like a coach yelling at you. You know, like this is one of them. What if your dope was on fire? Impossible, sir. It's in Johnson's underwear. <laughs> and I know that Hughes and I talked about that. It was that thing, like, you know, because I never said that in the script. Oh, really? And it's like, it, if you really say where the thing is, no one will believe you because, I mean, the, the audience already knows where, right. where where it is. Now, if I tell him it's in his pants, he's not going to, there's no way that the teacher's going to believe that. So let's just say it anyway, because all it makes crazy is, Brian, because yeah. Brian's got his pants. Like, why you tell? How can you tell him that? He's like, don't worry, he's not gonna look. Well, Paul made it to the. What did he make? Make it to the minors, right? Yeah, yeah. He played minor league baseball. Let's go. Hey, keep your fucking hands off me! I expect better manners from you, Dick. I think we're seeing that library again. So it was John Corso was our production designer. Yeah. Great job. Yeah, he did. Jennifer Polito. It's so crazy, though, because, the, you know, Gleason being such, like, the quote-unquote bad guy, especially in this scene, but you feel, I mean, at least in that last scene, you feel for him, too. Yeah, you do, and what he's saying here is true as well, and he hasn't really done anything wrong to us. It's what he represents. But someday, man, someday. It's this whole notion, no one will believe you. Yeah, believe that's, me. that's You're a bad guy, who cares about you? I gotta, I'm a good guy, people like me. It's like yeah. that kind of sick thing that it makes gets, people... That gets twisted there, but you, you almost feel sympathy for him in the last scene yeah. because you're such a dick, and he's like, what do you do with this kid? And then he does this, and you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> don't do that. And he's funny in the scene with Kapilos. Kapilos tells him, he goes, these, pe- these are the kids they're going to be looking at. I also think it's interesting what he said about your own pathetic life. He's saying yeah. that to you, but he's really projecting that of himself. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody gets trapped, and we're all forced to look at our own pathetic lives, which I think is where the onion starts getting peeled. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Kapilos points it out to him later. Yeah. You know? Thought it was going to be a cush job, and now you're here on yeah. a Saturday. And, and that scene's great. He's like, he's like, uh, and he goes, oh, Mr. Wilson, uh, his, uh, history of mental illness. You know? <laughs> I really thought Paul was going to whack me here, too. It was great. Yeah, this is a good scene. How many times did you guys do this? I don't know. But, I, you know, I was giving him a hard time all the time, so I thought. You thought, like, like literally any, yeah, I, any possible take, he's going to no, whack I, you in the head? I thought in this one, yeah, I thought I was going to get hit. One shot. That's all I need, just one swing. 
gutless. Well, again, there's conflict. There's conflict in all these scenes somehow, you know? Here he's testing Judd. They're testing each other out. It's great. He's going to be gutless. That's what I thought. You're a gutless turd. (laughs) Gutless turd. But it's so great. It's like kind of the second point we get to see you be vulnerable, Judd. There a little bit, you know what I mean? Where you got the, the facade and stuff on and it's kind of coming back here where you're getting angry again. But for that minute, you're a little kid again. You're 17. You know? Well, I you're keep like, showing off for the other kids and it ain't, it ain't working out so great for me. I'm now, I'm now locked in the room. Talk about this joke that you tell here. Well, in the... the catwalk thing, yeah. There wasn't one written. It was just silent. I walk through and then I fall uh, through the ceiling. And I asked John, I said, you know, we, I mean, maybe I should say something, go up, lead up to a joke, and then I fall through before the punchline. And then we tried for a while to come up with a joke that had the punchline be, I forgot my pencil, which was the first thing that we shot when I come through the roof, which we shot a little bit before. And we, we couldn't come up with a joke that would have that as a punchline. And, and so I said, why don't I just tell the joke, and right when I get to a punchline, fall through, and then it doesn't matter. Cause, oh, cool. You know? And um, kind of wrote that with him. Yeah. And so... I did one. He goes, okay, as long as you do a uh, silent first. So I went through, did it silent. It was just a short piece of this little yeah. roof area that they'd built. And I did one where I made up a joke, and it was incredibly wrong. And Hughes just went, that's, we cannot use that joke. That is ridiculous. And I go, okay, that was just for me. Let me try one more. And then I did this one, which had all the elements of all classic, you know, porn jokes, blondes, nudity, dogs, sausage, bar, blonde, you know, whatever. Just so. And there's no punchline. Oh. What is this? <laughs> what is that? What? What is that? What is that noise? What noise? Really, sir? There wasn't any noise. <laughs> that noise. Like Allie's cough. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh. <laughs> She's so great. The most forced cough ever. But so, I mean, but it's like, I'm, I'm on the team. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and then her laugh. You make book on that, Missy. And you, I will not be made a fool of. I will yeah. not be made a fool of, and he's got that toilet seat top. an accident. You're an asshole. Sue me. So Ahab, type all my doobage. <laughs> Yo, wastoid. You're not gonna blaze up in here. Yo, wasteoid. <laughs> what was that? Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby. Was that you? Yeah. Or was that Hughes? No, it was me. Where'd that come from? Uh, somewhere in high school. I don't know. Dweeb. <laughs> came from somewhere in high school. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Just get, you know, every rehearsal, you change it. A lot of times you change things to kind of amuse yourself and then. Yeah. What's keep the, adding to it or who knows what it means. But It's worked itself right into pop culture history. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's bizarre. Not just a, a dweeb, but like a neo. I mean, that's a, there's a lot to it. <laughs> a lot, a lot of layers going on there. 
I like the fact that you make that move to the back. You know what I mean? You're like third. <laughs> Actually, second, because I'm going back. Then mine, it's like great, you know. You're looking at the junk, like what, right. you're gonna, you're gonna do it. You just, you take it first. <laughs> you were so mortified when they poured it out of the locker, too. <laughs> Michael, that's marijuana. Oh, this is great when he does that scene. That just that? goes right to the files. Oh, this is the stuff that's great. Oh my god. Bob Forrest retired after this. <laughs> <laughs> This is where you just point and shoot at Mike. Yeah. Mike, you're stoned, go. And then he goes for <laughs> 45 minutes. It was great. He was so good. There's so much stuff. It's going to be an hour. Remind of that. me there was a crew there. <laughs> no, it was really fun. <laughs> Chicks cannot hold this smoke. That's what it is. Mm. <laughs> Do you know how popular I am? I'm so popular. Everybody loves me so this much. This is great stuff for her character as well. She's so good at in this, you know? When you say that. Yeah, it's like, not everybody's high. Everyone starts slipping. Yeah, I am so popular. <laughs> She's just wasted. The truth comes out. Five. <laughs> How much has he been smoking in there, too? I mean, That's the other thing. Cheech and Just Chung like, are in the AV yeah, department. That one cigarette, like the fog machine. Yeah, this is what weed does to you, kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you turn into Spider-Man. It's so funny. It's so tame by today's standards. Like, now people, like, there's, like, security checks in high school. <laughs> people are selling guns and drugs and everything. This seems like a different world. It's funny. In a way, What's with the whistle, too? Which I is have great. no idea. I just like whistling. In a, <laughs> in a way, it was more... There, the cabbie there whistle. There was a certain element of innocence to that time period. Totally. But also, where it's set, you know, it is Yeah, we had to have our 80s montage. City, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. He's got so much in him coming out right there, you know? Then he breaks the glass. It's just and, cathartic. Andrew went on to become an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Oh, Mr. Tierney. A history of slight mental illness. <laughs> no wonder he's so funny. A history of mental illness. He's great there. And he's busted hey, here, too, which is great. It's one of my favorite Good. scenes. I love this. How much? Mm -hmm. What's happening? What are you doing in the basement files? Oh, nothing, nothing here. I'm just doing a little homework here. Homework, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Confidential files, huh? Well, look, Carl, this is a highly sensitive Look area. at Capitalist. It's so great. Got him over the barrel. But Paul's so real, too. It's great. If, if, if this would be something that you, you and I could, could keep between us. What are you going to do for me, man? What, what, what would you like? <laughs> Got 50 bucks? <laughs> what? 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 man. No, you got a middle name? <clears throat> yeah, I guess. Uh... Your middle name is Ralph, as in puke. Your birth date's March 12th. You're five, nine and a half. You weigh 130 pounds. And your social security number is 049-38091.
three. Wow. Are you psychic? No. <laughs> well, would you mind telling me how you know all this about me? I stole your wallet. Give it to me. No. Give it. This is great. You're a thief, too, huh? I'm not a thief. Multi-talented. Sort of steal. Two bucks and a beaver shot. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Two bucks and a beaver shot. All right, let's see it. It's all to my, my wallet still. <laughs> You're brushing your teeth with Molly's makeup? Yeah, with her, eye, uh, her eye, eyebrow brush. Are all these your girlfriends? Some of them. What about the others? Well, some I consider my girlfriends, and some I just consider. Consider what? Whether or not I want to hang out with them. You don't believe in just one guy, one girl? Do you? Yeah. That's the way it should be. No, not for me. Why not? She looks so good, doesn't she? You got so much shit in your purse. How come you have so many girlfriends? I asked you first. I don't know. I guess I never throw anything away. Neither do I. See, Hughes, that's great. That's a good. That's a great Hughes exchange right there. Yeah. Worst fake idea I've yeah. Ever seen. <laughs> this is great Hughes too. You realize you made yourself sixty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need a fake ID for? And it's so funny. So I can vote. So I can vote. So I can vote. This is great. He's so nervous. In my bag. He's so nervous about getting the idea that he blows his math. Come on, he's yeah. not a guy that makes math mistakes. Also cool that we're willing to go through each other's shit at this point. It's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's just like, whoa. <laughs> he just grosses us out. like tampons but it's flying It's kind of scary, and it's kind of wonderful about this character. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that she feels compelled to have to be ready to go at any given moment. It's very sad. What is all that stuff? Do you always carry this much shit in your bag? I always carry this much shit in my bag. You never know when you may have to jam. She doesn't talk much, you can tell. She, it's always the, yeah. When, she, when it comes out of her mouth, it's like, has a hundred meetings. Every word's really deliberate, too. Like she's unpracticed. Yeah, you know, yeah, talking, it is, so. it is. Why do you have to do anything? My home life is unsatisfying. So you're saying you'd subject yourself to the violent dangers of these Chicago streets because your home life is unsatisfying? I don't have to run away and live in the street. I can run away and I can go to the ocean, I can go to the country, I can go to the mountains, I could go to Israel, Africa, Afghanistan. She's so good in this. Yeah, from beginning to end. I think it's an incredible performance. Yeah. She stops herself there, like she starts getting on a roll and then she stops herself. Yeah, because it's about like, I guess that, not to get actorish but whatever but I mean it's sort of subtext it's like how she's feeling when she's saying it that you yeah. feel you feel it in her eyes that she's gonna burst you know yeah it's real it's more than her words well everyone's home life is unsatisfying and if it wasn't people would live with their parents forever yeah yeah I understand great news great line Guys like you and me. <laughs> it's great like because he remains me. stoned. You know, he's like, he's, yeah. And I like, think I'm the cool. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he's a peer now because he's. Yeah. No know? deal, Sporto. Forget it. Leave me alone. Wait a minute. Now you're carrying all that crap around in your purse. Either you really want to run away, or you want people to think you want to run away. Eat shit. The girl is an island of herself. 
Okay. See, what's great is that is that he did get stoned for the first time, so he's great. It's like you know what I mean. His character, if, if all of a sudden was pulling together, would be like, no, there's no way. Hi. You want to talk? No. Why not? Go away. Where do you want me to go? Go away. You have problems. Oh, I have problems. You do everything everybody ever tells you to do. That is a problem. Okay, fine. But I didn't dump my purse out on the couch and invite people into my problems. Did I? I think it's cool because they kind of mirror each other here. They see that they're both holding on to stuff. Yeah. You know, people talk about, like, it's kind of weird they hook up, but throughout the whole movie, you know, they go to get the, the milk or whatever earlier and they have these little moments before the end where they you know and she's looking she's look she just looks right at him or right away it's like this it's mesmerizing if andy doesn't go for this you know i remember it being important to john too that in this scene that he sees that she sees him for the first time which is this moment here where he's really he knows that she's really kind of looking into him yeah she wants help right there and then he so. sees her beauty at the same time again it's a testament to john and Dee, Dee allen you know because they really once a film is made, the real, you know, a lot of the magic is making sense of all the footage. Sure. And I remember her coming to the set saying that she had so much footage because we shot, you know, whatever it was, 10 hours a day, just, you know, everybody had to have coverage, so we had performances from everybody all day. So I remember thinking, like, when we'd leave the set, you'd be pretty tired. It did feel like we were doing a play all day. Yeah. Because you know? we'd get into stuff. It was great. I love this what scene, too. What did you want to be when you were young? When I was a kid, I wanted to be John Lennon. I know that was from John, because I remember him saying that. Carl, don't be... Hughes or Capelos? Yeah, Hughes. I'm trying to make a serious point here. Carl, I've been teaching. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what a write-off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dick. Yeah. Oh, I did want to be John Lennon, you yeah. bastard. Yeah. These kids get more and more arrogant. Oh, bullshit, man. Come on, Vern. The kids haven't changed. You have. It's like an establishment and anti-establishment discussion, yeah. You took a teaching position. Both sides. You thought it'd be fun, right? Thought you could have summer vacations off? And then you found out it was actually work. That really bummed you out. These kids turned on me. They think I'm a big fucking joke. Come on. <laughs> Listen, Vern, if you were 16, what would, what you, would think you think of you? What would you think of you? Huh? <laughs> I love that. You think I give one rat's ass what these kids think of me? Yes, I do. You think about this. When you get old, these kids, when I get old, they're going to be running the country. Yeah? Now, this is the thought that wakes me up in the middle of the night. That when I get older, these kids are going to take care of me. I wouldn't count on it. And the theater goes nuts, man. I don't know, did you guys see, did you guys ever get a chance to see it in the theater with, like, with an audience and stuff? Did you go, go see the movie? Yeah, I did at times, yeah. That was fun. That's that was always, you know, however payoff. many times I saw it in the theater, the theater went nuts when he said I wouldn't count on it. Everybody just cheered. I, like I love that like, scene, too, because it represents so much of what the, why the film, I think, worked, because it's like people's projection of themselves and then how everyone really sees you. Yeah. You know? And that's, again, I think it's one of these core things. That, and like, also, Paul's so real in that something. scene. Paul's yeah. so, there's something about Paul so good in that scene. It's like you go, it's just a real guy there trying to get by, too, you know? It's yeah. Like, he kind of lets his guard down a little bit there, yeah, right? He He's got his character yeah. that he puts on. He lets it down for a little bit there. Yes. I'd do that. 
I'll do anything sexual. I don't need a million dollars to do it either. <laughs> Allie the freak. I already have. I've done just about everything there is, except a few things that are illegal. I'm a nymphomaniac. Why? Are your parents aware of this? <laughs> the only person I told was my shrink. What did he do when you told him? He nailed me. Very nice. I don't think that from a legal standpoint, what he did can be construed as rape since I paid him. He's an adult. Yeah. He's married, too. Oh. Do you have any idea how completely gross that is? Well, the first few times. The first few times? You mean he did it more than once? Sure. Are you crazy? Honestly, she's a judge. You're looking at Molly that whole time. Watching Molly react to Ali doing that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like she took over for you there for a minute, just messing with Molly. It's a good spot, yeah. Have you ever done it with a normal person? Didn't we already cover this? You never answered the question. Look, I'm not going to discuss my private life with total strangers. It's kind of a double-edged sword. A little late for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you say you haven't, you're a prude. If you say you have, you're a slut. It's a trap. You want to, but you can't. And when you do, you wish you didn't, right? Wrong. Or are you a tease? The quality of Ali's voice is very good. It kind of, you know, it's like... I also like, too, this image of, like, how he put us in the back. You see the whole library, too. It's a nice shot, that. I don't do anything. The wide shot is cool. You're a tease. Okay, let me ask you a few questions. I already told you everything. No, doesn't it bother you to sleep around without being in love? I mean, don't you want any respect? I don't screw to get respect. That's the difference between you and me. It's not the only difference, I hope. Face it, you're a tease. I'm not a tease. Sure you are. Sex is your weapon. You said it yourself. You use it to get respect. No, I never said that. She twisted my words around. What do you use it for, then? I don't use it, period. Oh, are you medically frigid, or is it psychological? I didn't mean it that way. You guys are putting words into my mouth. Well, if you just answer the question. Why don't you just answer the question? Be honest. No big deal. Yeah, answer it. Just answer the question, Claire. Talk to us. Come on, answer, answer the question. question. Don't be a easy. It's only one question. No! I never did it! I never did it either. <laughs> At I'm this point, too, and, and just where the industry was, like, there was no video village, so I, I, one of my best memories is of John being there. Like, he would just sit behind the camera. He'd be sitting on the floor with us, just like the camera operator would be on the floor to get these low angles, and he was really there, part of it all. It was great. Is he a good audience? Oh, he definitely was. Yeah, and he was a real audience, and he wanted to be moved and affected. That was a great lesson to see a, a director lends his project like that, you know, to be that invested in it. It's cool. It's a tricky thing where you where you have a director and sometimes they can be like, everything you do is great. You know, like they want you to feel comfortable and they want you to feel like, oh yeah, everything you do is great. But there's a bullshit meter that I think, you know, you get as an actor where you go, no, it wasn't. And you got to get that level of trust where if John says it's good, it's good. If, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Did, did Was he pretty good about that too? Yeah, I mean, without, without telling you you sucked or something. No, he had to be. Well, that's the thing. You have to be very pragmatic as a director. You're always aware of the clock. So, in lieu of all that, we never. I didn't never felt like you know he was rushing us. Just the opposite. I think he would work on your performance with you. It was cool. Then he would give us the freedom to try things. He would allow us to know that we maybe tried something that was no good too. Like you do something that's no good, and he he wouldn't say, "Oh, that's not very good." He would look at us and be like, 
too. Yeah, I guess that one wasn't so good. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, he would let us find it for ourselves. And uh... There's a paternal instinct I think that directors need to have, but with him, it's, he felt more like a big brother. You know, he wanted us to shine. He wanted to see us get the best out of it, you know? So he was never really precious about his words or anything, which I found to be really cool. It was cool, even after all that rehearsal, that even once you get on set, the crew's around, the pressure's kind of on a little bit. Like you said, the time's a factor, trying to get the yeah. day. And uh, he still gave you time even after all that. You know that classic image that uh, it was a saying of, I guess, Jack Lemons where he talked about magic time. Like, John was a director that appreciated that. When the camera's rolling, he was the first audience. He was the guy right there, right there with you, watching as if, you know, it was like one of your parents in the, in the bleachers or something. So that was a really cool thing, you know, because he was the writer. And, of course, we wanted to, in that sort of paternal spirit, we wanted to impress him, him to be happy with what we were doing. At the same time, it was never any finger-pointing. It wasn't, you know, he just kind of guided you through the performance. And he had a great way of, I think, empowering all of us to put our best foot forward. It was cool. His scripts have a lot of heart, you know? And he, Hughes has a lot of heart. He can hear the truth, I think. And if we did something that had strayed that was, sounded like that color of truth that he wanted, then it would stay. He also was, I just find him very encouraging yeah. as a person and as a director. Totally. And that's like a captain. If the, if the director's the captain of the ship, you, I, I'd like the captain to be encouraging if we're going to come upon some high seas or dangerous times or, you know, crunch time. You want the captain to not be like treating you like you're uh, something he wants rubbed off the bottom of your shoe. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I think we would have done anything for him. Right. You know, I, I, I think we probably still would. You know? It's interesting, too, because in the structure of the film, it all leads back to these, these scenes, I guess, where everybody becomes therapy at the end here, where we're yeah. all sitting around, yeah. literally like a group therapy, as is the image of the wide shot, you know? Yeah, that trust is important. You know, you want your other actors to be alive in the scene, you know? And because this in real time came later for us, as it does in the movie, shooting in sequence, sure. it's like you don't have to earn the respect from the people around you. Right. It's already done. And suddenly the only redemption we seem that we can find is with each other. And that's the surprise, I think, at this point, where everyone is, like, peeling away, becoming naked to each other. Well, I think that's part cool. of the reason why it's so important, too, the way they cut this. They show, you know, Emilio's doing the thing, and they do the camera, like, pans around him, right? And then we go and we get everybody's reaction shot while he's still talking because right. you guys are going through it, too, you know? Yeah. He's like this... He's like this mindless machine that I can't even relate to anymore. Andrew! You've got to be number one. I won't tolerate any losers in this family. Your intensity is for shit. Win! 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 You son of a bitch. You know, sometimes I wish my knee would give and I wouldn't be able to wrestle anymore. And he could forget all about me. I think your old man and my old man should get together and go bowling. It's like me, you know, like with my grades. Like when I when I when I step outside myself, kind of, and, and like when I look in at myself, you know. And I, and I see me. I don't like what I see. I really don't. What's wrong with you? Why don't you like yourself? Sounds stupid, but... Because I'm failing shop. Yet we had this assignment, you know, to make this, um, 
ceramic elephant. And um, we had eight weeks to do it. And then, you know, we're supposed to, it was like a lamp. And when, you know, when you pull the, the trunk, the light was supposed to go on. You know, but my light didn't go on. I got an F on it. I've never gotten an F in my life. When I signed up, you know, for the course, I mean, I thought I was playing it real smart, you know, because I thought, you know, I'll take shopping. It'd be such an easy way to maintain my grade point average. Why'd you think it'd be easy? Have you seen some of the dopes that take shop? I take shop. When I look outside myself, I don't like what I see. I yeah, it's very interesting. Tough. I'm like kind of hearing the script again for the first time. And that's also, I think, what this whole sequence represents, that we're, what we're exposing ourselves to each other, saying, what if I don't like how I look to myself? Can I right. share that with you? You know, will you still be my friend? I'm like, you know, it's interesting. That's why, even though that's this high school setting, I think to this day, I think that's why this movie resonates with people, because I think these are questions that transcend certainly the setting of high school, you know? I'd say it's a human cool. thing. It's not a teenager yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. that, you know, people look at themselves and don't like what they see deep down. But to bring that up, you yeah. bring it up for, your, for yourself. It's like a very strong move. Maybe, you know, he's considered like the weakling, not after doing that, you know? Yeah. And then it's great because Allie helps you out there. She all of a sudden takes the spotlight off you, which in yeah. a way is good. It's getting a little uncomfortable there at that. Right. And everyone's revealing their fears and their guilt, you know, like... Why are we here? Why are we here? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have to swear to God you won't laugh. Okay. Can't believe I'm actually... And you pull the rug right out from under after this, Judd. Well, I'm a little mean. <laughs> I'm a little mean. That was great, Claire. My image of you is totally blown. You're a shit. Don't do that to her. You swore to God you wouldn't laugh. Am I laughing? You fucking prick. What do you care what I think anyway? I don't even count, right? I could disappear forever and it wouldn't make any difference. I may as well not even exist at this school, remember? Bender's got a good memory. <laughs> he remembers that stuff. Don't like me anyway. You know, I have just as many feelings as you do, and it hurts just as much when somebody. I think it's cool as I'm watching this. Like it, it reminds me of what we were talking about in the first act, where your character really is the catalyst to kind of unearth all the shit, you know, and then forces everybody to kind of change. So your character does really instigate all, a lot of the changes. It's very interesting. We think about it at this point, you think everybody's come so far, everybody's opened up a little bit, we're all kind of comfortable with each other, but here comes Bender again yeah. to kind of to kind of dig it all back up and say, hey, let's not get too comfortable, we're not there yet, kids. Yeah, that's why Judd was great in that role. You had this sense of anarchy, like it's even a word you use in the film, you know, like this sense of like, he just keeps stirring the pot, which I think is interesting because it provides all these emotional... It's, it's like part of the, I think the true depth to Hughes's work is that these are like some social issues all of a sudden. It's like, these are some... It's yeah. personal, but it's really about bigger social issues. Yeah. What do I think of myself? Where am I from? What do I think of sex? But you think about, like, if you're in this situation, right, with these people, you get to a level of comfort where they did. Everybody's yeah. kind of getting along. You're comfortable. 
most people cruise out the rest of the day on that level. Hey, we all got yeah. a long grade. It wasn't that bad. But keeps going. You know, you just keeps yeah. going. It just keeps going. And then Judd's linchpin, his character thing is really powerful, too, with the father. I mean, there's so much that, as men, we can relate to with our relationships with our fathers or our lack of relationship, whatever. So that whole, I think the real the spine of all this is he's saying, look, you know, I've been abused. You know, let's not get cutesy here. And he's, he's really exposing himself yeah. and saying, you know. And what Ali says here is great. Yeah. It's a great line. When you grow up, your heart dies. Who cares? <laughs> That's a great it's line. It's a great, no, it's a great line. line. Laughing at you, but it's it is. It's a great line. Yeah, it's one of the challenges of the of the script. I think. Of life, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. This is and this is so key. Here it comes. Yeah. What is going to happen to us on Monday? So how many times over the years have you guys been asked that by like a fans lot. or people you meet? Like, what happened on Monday? <laughs> a lot. It's come yeah. up. I'm not wrong, am I? No. It's really the questions it poses. I think it's really cool. Yeah. When I, when I hear the script again. But what's so great is they don't answer them. And just you know? so good. Like, that's the thing. Mike, the, from this point on, it's like, it's, it's, he asked the question and the answer is so hurtful. Mm-hmm. And it's so great that Molly's that honest, though, too. You know, again, it'd be easier for her to spare his feelings there. And she's like, no, guess what? Here's what. Here's the deal. And she's telling the truth. I mean, it's bitchy, but she's telling the truth, right? If Brian came walking up to you in the hall on Monday, what would you do? I mean, picture this. You're there with all the sports. I know exactly what you'd do. You'd say hi to him, and when he left, you'd cut him all up so your friends wouldn't think that you really liked him. No way. Okay. What if I came up to you? Same exact thing. You are a bitch! Why? Because I'm telling the truth? That makes me a bitch? No, because you know how shitty that is to do to someone. And you don't got the balls to stand up to your friends and tell them that you're going to like who you want to like. OK, what about you, you hypocrite? Why don't you take Allison to one of your heavy metal vomit parties? <laughs> or take Brian out to the parking lot at lunch and get higher? What about Andy, for that matter? What about John starts like this act with Judd kind of shitting on the whole yeah. group therapy aspect of it. But then again, he can ask the really good question here, which is... Don't you ever talk mm-hmm. about my Yeah, he's the one that doesn't really let respond. it go. Yeah. yeah. You don't look at any of my friends, and you certainly wouldn't condescend to speak to any of my friends, so you just stick to the things that you know. Shopping, nail polish, your father's BMW, and your poor, rich, drunk mother in the Caribbean. Shut up! And as far as being concerned about what's going to happen when you and I walk down the hallways of school, you can forget it, because it's never going to happen. Just bury your head in the sand and wait for your fucking prom. I hate you. Yeah? Good. Okay, then I assume Alice and I are better people than you guys, huh? <laughs> Us weirdos. Would you, do, would you do that to me? I don't have any friends. It's did. so great that you get a little bit up on your high horse here, even though we talked about it earlier in the movie, where you kind of blew off Carl. It's such it's such a great three point through line for your character, where you know early on you're talking about how shitty it is to do to somebody here. Early on you totally blow off Carl. Carl's like, "Hi, Brian," and you're like, "Oh shit," you know, and Judd busts yeah. your balls and stuff. And here you're like, "Hey, wait a minute, that's a really shitty thing to do to somebody." Then later on at the end of the movie. You're like, bye, Carl, see you, you know, wait, Carl says, see you, and you're like, bye, right, right. you know, and you acknowledge it. So you learn your lesson, too, and it's such a subtle thing. Um, so cool. Hughes doesn't hit you over the head with it, 
like but it's it's a great and I even you know for years I it's something I never picked up on until I started working on this project it's a great bit for you cool thanks why do you do it I don't know I don't you don't understand you don't you're not friends with the same kind of people that Annie and I are friends with you know you just don't understand the pressure that they can put on you I don't understand what you think I don't understand pressure, Claire? Well, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> you know I'm here today. So great, you keep your head in your arm there for that, too. <laughs> I was mustering up the tears. <laughs> I'm here because Mr. Ryan found a gun in the locker. Why'd you have a gun in your locker? I tried. And pull a fucking trunk on. It's the light's supposed to go on. It didn't go on, I mean. I... What's the gun for, Brian? Just forget it. You brought it up, man. I can't have an F. I can't have it. I don't know my parents can have it. Even if I ace the rest of the semester, I'm still only a B. Everything's ruined for me. Brian. Brian. <laughs> my options, you know? No, killing yourself is not an option. Well, I didn't do it, did I? No, I don't think so. It was a handgun? No, it was a flare gun. It went off in my locker. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> See, it's funny, it diffuses it, but it's a serious... I mean, and, and how, how poignant is that still... I mean, not to state the obvious here, but, I mean, that's something... Again, it's one of those things that helps keep this movie timeless because that's something, you know. I think it's also one of the questions that's raised here is, are we going to become our parents, which is another interesting thing, too. You yeah. Know, like, are we kind of doomed to repeat a cycle or something? You want to know to be I like mean? the people that kind of molded us. Especially with the three of you guys, like you said, about fathers and stuff. You know, Judd's got his father issues. You've yeah. got, you know, the, it's your parents, you know, and they show your mom earlier, but... It was great how Dee Dee cut to Judd on that thing where I'm talking about the reason I got here. And you yeah. can see Judd thinking about his situation with his father. Yeah, it's interesting. So there's equanimity by the end here. Yeah. And then the release is the laughter. It's cool. But it's great because because the distance that Michael's character goes, that is such a great performance, Michael. I'm serious, oh, man. Thanks, You're man. like, he's very unhappy and very upset. <laughs> and um, is, by the end of the scene, laughing with us. It's, it's you know... It's quite the it's quite the gamut just in that little you know five minutes or, or whatever. I mean you run you run quite a uh, you push all the buttons you know. Yeah. You gotta you gotta hit the tears the, the laughter 80s the whole thing. dance. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> you know and, and people you know I think there, this is one of the things people point to about the about the movie where they're like and then there's the dance sequence just kind of but you know what it feels good though doesn't it I mean like <laughs> after such a hard scene you know like Emilio goes through his shit and we you know everybody yells at Molly and. And Michael does his the tour de force scene there. <laughs> it's kind of fun just to 
let Allie Charlie Brown dance here a little bit. And yeah. <laughs> I think it was a product of the of the, the, the filmmaking that time too. This seemed to be a popular yeah. thing, thing attached. We wanted to do the uh, dance, uh, you know. boxing training, but that was uh, just didn't fit. <laughs> Don't forget all the breakdancing moves that come out and flash dancing, like montages with with music made a lot more sense. Than yeah. <laughs> they do that. Oh, John embraced it though too, though you know. But yeah, it's because a I think for the characters it was a release, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a, a release. It it's up. not just the. In a lot of those movies, it's just suddenly and we dance. Let's yeah. build a float or whatever it is. Yeah. In this, it actually is a release, and then. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And he's back. <laughs> Walking a little slower on the way back. I like that you can find your way around through the roof. You know, you know exactly yeah. where to go. <laughs> I'm there every Saturday. <laughs> I was going to say, that's how well you know that place. You don't even need the halls. You I've got an extra two years of school just on Saturdays. <laughs> Are you about your paper? Yeah, why? Well, it's kind of a waste for all of us to write our paper, don't you think? Oh, well, that's what Vernon wants us to do. Mm, true, but I think we'd all kind of say the same thing. You just don't want to write your paper, right? True, but you're the smartest, right? <laughs> She's working, yeah. She's working, yeah. Big time. Yeah. You're Brian's mission here. <laughs> I'm not really there to let you know to do my homework for me. Yeah. yeah. But he feels important and accepted, though, by that. I mean, even though they're, they're pawning it off in, to some extent, it's a, it's a great feeling of, of, for, for Brian where he's like, Hey, I'm part of the group here. Come on. Where are we going? Come on. Don't it was a great thing that he gave them this, too. You know, that, that John that gave them, okay. you know, everybody's kind of connecting as a group thing, but for the girls to really have a moment, I thought was really cool. Well, I got to tell you, I really like the way Allie looks before the changeover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you really do look a lot better without all that black shit on your eyes. Hey. Oh, bonding. Yeah, we get we get into the debate um, with uh, you know a lot of the people we interviewed. We asked everybody kind of on one side or the other. You know, did Ali sell out? Did she not? All that stuff. And I know <laughs> I, we we talked about it with with you guys too. But it is it's funny even to hear Ali talk about it. Um, I think everybody kind of agrees. It's not like she looks so bad before, yeah. you know. But it's it's a nice thing. It's a nice. It's thing. a connection. It's not really about selling out. It's that she, they're connecting with each other, right. which is nice. It's certainly when the film begins, they're on, on different planets. Yeah. Yeah. And Molly's at a place where she is willing to kind of do something, and Allie's in a place where she'll let her, which is nice. You lost? She did have some good lips, tell you. Didn't she? Beautiful. <laughs> I like this piece of music uh, by Keith Forsey. This is a guy that John hired that was a successful record producer, did like a lot of the Billy Idol stuff and Simple Minds he had produced. But that was also a talent, like he knew that this guy could score a movie. He just knew mm -hmm. he was ready to do that, so it was cool. I like this piece of music. Hughes was so ahead of the curve on music. Yeah. He would work with it. He would bring in tapes, like he'd be doing compilation CDs and tapes on the weekend. Yep. And, you know. and, he, and he would bring them to us on the set, you know, those cool, like... When uh, there were tapes. Those of you younger enough cassette out there tapes, that, yeah. don't remember tapes. <laughs> but he had cool-looking ones, even those, like, metal-looking ones yeah. and clear and... Very cool. We're old now. <laughs> we passed CDs. It's MP3s and stuff now, right? Remember right. when they invented yeah. the wheel? That was incredible. <laughs> 
people banged rocks together and we We made sang. this sometime after World War II, I think. <laughs> the Great War. Yeah. <laughs> but he used to take you guys to concerts and stuff, right, Mike? Yeah, John. he was cool. Like Chet said, he was really ahead of the curve on music. He was into it. Like, he was aware of, like, Art of Noise, which was his Trevor Horn project that no. people know their stuff now, but... So even with that piece of music, I'm sure he was, like, probably trying to go for that kind of thing. You know, like a... Well, how about the fact that in 16 Candles, Molly's got a notebook that says Psychedelic Furs on it, and I don't think that had an album out yet. <laughs> Why? He was new. Well, and pre yeah, Pretty in Pink comes out however long after that, but yeah. And he wrote to music a lot, too, so a lot of times it, these sequences, I'm sure he knew that there'd be a certain type of piece of music playing through it, yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, it's funny, you turn on shows, you watch shows that are like network shows like Grey's Anatomy, and it's so much like a part of the formula mm -hmm. where they have these musical interludes that kind of tie things up or, or bring the audience into the third act. Or It's interesting there's a psychology to that, just like editing. It's interesting when you see it work. It was cool. <laughs> I like that. I like the music stops right on that, too. And now we're done. Yeah, here's a bit where you're nice to Carl. Group therapy's done, right. That's that moment, yeah. Tie it all up. See you next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And that pose right there is like now like a classic janitor pose, you know, like every, you know, <laughs> there's the, the guy on scrub. That's he's right there. That's and great. And there's Mr. Hitchcock. Yeah. There he is, baby. Mr. Hitchcock. Mr. Hughes. I like that Ali shows inhuman strength pulling this off. <laughs> oh, she's got his sweatshirt on too. That's cute. Takes it all. <laughs> that school really did look like a prison, didn't it? Look at that. Yeah, it did, huh? And here comes Ron Dean. She's looking at home. her like, hey, she's gonna blow your ride. Who's the chicky? Yeah. <laughs> I like how he looked at her ass out the window there. Was... <laughs> I said, classic from a Chicago. That's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> from a Chicago gay. Right in front of her dad, too, Judd. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm trying to get more. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm leaning right on oh, yeah, the vehicle. No, look at him. <laughs> He's leaning in for it, man. Judd was pimping. Look at him. Look at him lean in there. Try to get breastfed there. I saw that. You're trying to lean in on that. <laughs> I saw you. Right in front of her dad. <laughs> uh, tinted windows. I didn't see him. Yeah, Molly knew. She knew what those lips did to all of us. Back to that drummer from that Simple Minds band. Damn, he was good. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. How was it recording this, Mike? Was it kind of weird, kind of reading it? Did you read the picture or anything? It was or? like on the set one day between scenes or something. Yeah. Just with the sound mixer or yeah. something, yeah. In one of those rooms there? Well, at least it wasn't like on a, in a booth like three months later or something, you know? Yeah. Here it is. Here's the... Yeah, here's, the, here's the shot right here, huh? Does that answer your question? Now, is this John or is this just you just like... Uh, what, what are you thinking when you're walking across it? I mean, obviously, now that you got the music, we got the song, we got the whole, we, we feel it, but look at you right there, and then freeze right there. What, what are you thinking you're walking across I the I don't field? know if I knew that it was going to be a freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. He just stood like that on camera. It was amazing. Yeah, I, that's actually. <laughs> He's not. He's I'm, still standing there. Yeah, I'm, that, somehow that's knew, me right? holding it. That's me holding sister. it. And, like, to, and to keep the jacket hey, like that with the wind going. That's very pretty good. I, was, I, I think I heard. They had myself. to rig that up with strings and stuff. They're like, now the credits are Fill still coming in. out of the stadium. So hold on, the credits are still coming out of the stadium. We are all alike. We are all one. There's the message. It's cool. But also, I think it's so clear from that first quote from Bowie at the very beginning. There's something about the consciousness of, yeah. the, of the students that's incredible. Listen, we had a great experience. It was a great, great time beginning of our careers, and I had fun doing this. It was great. Thank you. Thanks, Universal. Thanks for releasing it. <laughs> I think what's amazing is the notion that, I mean, I really believed that they were all going to be like that. In a way, it's kind of profoundly disappointing that they're, <laughs> that they're not. You know, I thought they're going to be that rehearsed and prepared, and there's something about it when the group is forced to coalesce that makes it just wonderful. Everyone go yeah. on. People thrive under adversity. I think it was a great experience. No, you're right, we had a good time doing it. We were all thrown together, but it certainly meant more than I thought it would mean. You know, I thought it really had uh, been a real pleasure in my career to see that this movie's affected people over the years. It's really a, it's a nice thing, it's why we do it. You know, so it's cool. It's a good script, really, it's a good, it's like a fast, like I've said before, it's like a fast horse. Yeah. You don't have to use your crop, just try to <laughs> stay on. Don't fall yeah. off, just, yeah. it's like, cause this is really, and really fun. Amen. I miss Hughes. I miss you, man. I miss you, too. <laughs> well, let's go to the pub and drink about it. <laughs> okay. Talk about old times. Well, guys, listen, thanks so much. Thanks for um, having us. Yeah, Really, it's been an absolute us. treat for me. Thanks for working I, hard on it. Hopefully for everybody at home. And thanks to everybody here at this company and uh, NBC Uni making it happen. Thank you. Thank you.